I'll be back. Chewie. We're home. Are you not entertained? My name is Bob. James Bond. I'm funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. My name is Nina Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I'm a doctor, not a doorstop. I see dead people. Is this city Alpha 5? This is Retake, a show about enjoying the cinematic arts that includes new films, old films, and, like we're discussing today, TV shows. Pretty much anything that catches our fancy, really. I'm TJ. I'm going to be leading you on the cinematic journey today. And as we progress through the segments of the show today, I'm going to be joined by some various co-hosts. Uh, This is part two of our 2016 TV season premiere, Extravaganza. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Arrow on the CW with a Twitter friend of mine, Lisa Cooper. And then I'll be joined by this show's very own Tim Smith, and we're going to be talking about The Flash. I'm really looking forward to that. And then just to round things off, I'll be joined by Chad Hopkins to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to make sure this new show, Retake, uh, had TV shows in its scope uh, of of subjects is uh, MovieByte didn't really have that in its scope of subjects. And uh, some of the best cinematic entertainment that I'm experiencing in my life right now uh, are these great, geeky, nerdy, whatever you want to call them, TV shows. And, and they're, you know, TV, the gap between TV and movies is closing so much. And uh, these shows that I'm watching are, they're really some of the best cinematic en- entertainment that I'm experiencing, honestly. And so I'm really excited about it. And uh, so this show, I think, is going to be a lot of fun, this part two of this uh, 2016 TV season premiere. So with all that said, let's dive right in and talk about Arrow. In this segment, I have my quiver, which has an endless supply of arrows, and I can always pull the specific arrow out that does exactly what I need it to do, of course. And I'm joined by, uh, I don't know, the canary, who normally goes by Lisa Cooper. And we're going to fire a few arrows into Star City, formerly known as Starling City, as we talk about the arrow on the CW. How are you, Lisa? I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing quite well also. Uh, this is I've I've interacted with you a lot on Twitter uh, over various things, and uh, I know that you are an Arrow watcher for better or worse. So um, yes, so yeah. I uh, <laughs> I asked you to do this show, and and you were excited, but also uh, what, tre- some trepidation about Arrow, perhaps. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've had uh, Arrow and I have had our ups and downs. <laughs> yes. So same same here same yeah. here so um why don't you just uh tell us a little bit about how you feel about the show overall maybe like initially what drew you to the show and then kind of maybe your overall ups and downs with the show how you feel sure well okay so i started watching arrow because i wanted to watch the flash so it was really just kind of a means to an end for me and uh i liked that they were in the same universe and i liked that they were on netflix so i could binge watch that was really great so I started watching Arrow maybe a little less than a year ago. And okay. uh, so I kind of binged watched whatever was on Netflix. Then I started watching Arrow or I started watching uh, The Flash as well. So I could 
get both perspectives. I like the whole idea of building a whole universe that the right, CW, exactly. that the CW is doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I do that. I follow Marvel stuff, too, because I like the universe idea. It started out uh, painful for me watching Arrow. It, it was uh, it read very much like a soap opera to me. Mm. And I'm not super into that kind of drama. Um, I like dramas, but not so much the soap opera. Yeah, dramas. yeah, it, it's kind of a fine line, isn't it? Exactly. And so some of the stuff was overdone, but I guess that's sort of how the CW does their shows. So anyway, I kind of got more into it. By season two, I really was enjoying it. And then I think after season two, it's sort of gone downhill a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say probably after season three, maybe for me, but I, I, I feel you for sure. <laughs> uh, I guess I liked I liked season three a whole lot more than I like season four, but season four. Yes. And yeah, that was when Arrow and I kind of you almost disagreed. broke up. <laughs> <laughs> I think once Felicity and uh, and Oliver got together, that was when I stopped liking the show as much. Interesting. So you didn't like that they got together. No, not at all. And I, okay. because I loved her character and they made her just the romance person, you know? Uh, okay. Just, okay. Maybe it's, yeah. a, maybe we're talking about the same thing. Cause I would, I would phrase it a little differently. So I really loved the show and I actually liked the idea of Felicity and Oliver, uh, becoming a thing. Um, but what I didn't like, uh, as you kind of alluded to is how Felicity, the person Felicity became when that happened. Yes. Uh, it's almost like the writing for her character changed and she became, uh, somebody I didn't like. I'm trying not to use, uh, I'm trying not to be too hard on her character cause I do like Felicity a lot and I don't want to get in trouble either, but she, she really became something that I didn't like, uh, when she was with Oliver for very long and that's unfortunate because I feel like as a concept, her and Oliver together are fine. It's just that her char- like her character changed needlessly, uh, yes. I would say. Yes, exactly. And I, I always blamed the relationship for that and not necessarily, uh, you know, changing her character to fit, I don't know, something else yeah. in the story. It didn't seem like there were any other external factors that would have contributed to her changing so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the writing for her character is like, well, she's in this relationship. How would she respond? This is how she responds to being in the relationship. So uh, on the one hand, I'm glad that they uh, broke up just because now we and, and we certainly saw at, at the beginning of season five, we have the old Felicity back. Like she's yes. cracking. She's cracking the uh, the bad jokes and, exactly. and uh, the terrible jokes. And there's much, much less melodrama. <laughs> yes. And so I'm I'm very much liking the first two episodes of the season because of that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Felicity's finally back, which is good because she was always my favorite. Oh, she's great. I, um, I love Felicity. And, yeah. I, and I love, I, I mean, I, I've never seen the actress in anything else, Emily Bett Ricards, but um, I, I think that she's a fine actress. Uh, and I don't think any of the problems I've ever had with her character are about her at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think that their relationship in the last season ended up opening, it, it was just needless drama uh, that didn't actually mm-hmm. further mm-hmm. any character development. So I'm, I'm all about the drama for the sake of the characters. Um, yes. But I feel like, especially with Oliver's son uh, kind of surfacing as a thing, I think she didn't handle that the way I would have 
expected oh, Felicity I was, to handle that. I was so angry with Felicity over the way she responded to Oliver's son. Exactly. Because like it's it's so obvious that Oliver thought that the only way that he could be uh, anything in his son's life was to uh, follow the demands that his son's mother had placed, which was nobody can know. And so Oliver was keeping a promise and Felicity should understand that. And and it right. wasn't that, because he wanted to tell her. And it's exactly. like, oh, well, you – and so what is what is she mad at, that, that she – that he chose his son over her or no, because he chose them both. Like it doesn't make any sense that she was so angry about it. Exactly. And that's why I think season four just wasn't as good. <laughs> season four was definitely rock bottom for me. So so much like you, I, uh, I enjoyed uh, The Flash. I was starting to watch The Flash and um, – there was some point, I don't even remember when now, but there was some point when there was references made to Arrow and then Arrow kind of came in and then we knew there was going to be a crossover. And so I'm like, ah, well, I need to, in fact, maybe I'd already watched the crossover. I'm like, oh, I, all right, I'm going to have to get into this universe because I do like the whole world building and universe building, as you described, that the CW is doing. And so uh, that's when my wife and I, because we, um, we could tell that Arrow was too dark to let our kids watch it. Um, yes, and and absolutely. our kids had been well. My oldest had been watching The Flash with us, and now my oldest too watched The Flash. And um, we knew we couldn't let him watch Arrow, so my wife and I just started watching Arrow, binging it, like you mentioned on Netflix, um, and just getting caught up with the show. And now we we're current with it, and so we kind of watch everything together. Uh, but so that's how we got into Arrow as well. And I really loved uh, the first couple of seasons. Um, it it was a really good superhero drama, and it, it, but it was about. Whereas the Flash and you know Supergirl and Marvel stuff, well, depending on which Marvel stuff, uh, but but certainly like uh, super, like they have these superpowers that are really hard to define, and and they're they're you know powers that more godlike powers, I suppose you would say, and and you know except for the part like i mentioned at the beginning of the show where you can pull an arrow out of your quiver and it happens to be the exact exploding thing that you need to do whatever yes, but exactly. but but for the most part the, the the powers are somewhat more grounded in reality and i enjoyed that aspect of arrow we got away from that in season three and really in season four with Damian Dark, but yes. but, but yeah. it used to be this grounded in reality and it was just really good superhero drama. And I started to really love the characters and, and there's this, as we mentioned, there's this fine line between the soap opera aspect which I don't like soap operas, but but then there's drama, and you do want drama, and you want stuff that drives the characters, and you want your char- characters to have drama and experiences in order to make a good show. Exactly. But there's such a fine line there, and Arrow has, even before seasons three and four, Arrow has, has kind of rode that line a little hard and crossed into soap opera territory, which has been frustrating. Season four really was just a mostly a soap opera. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess my main issue with uh, season four, and it, this goes along with what you were saying, the leading up to season four, we have an Oliver Queen who is, he's superhuman in that his human abilities are just incredible. Um, there's something so like, so human about him uh, that mm-hmm. you lose in season four with all of the magic. And all of a sudden he has a magic tattoo that can do magic for him. <laughs> and just, right. And I feel like they were, if that was really the case, if he really did have all of this um, propensity for magic sort of latent with him at all times, I I feel like it would have come out earlier, or should have, at least. Um, It seemed like an afterthought. and uh, Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, and Constantine just wasn't, he was funny, uh, but I feel like he didn't add much other than 
you know, as the backstory to sort of get the whole magic thing to the forefront yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, he felt kind of shoehorned in because he's obviously, I, I actually don't know, I know very little about the whole Constantine thing, but I'm assuming he's another character in the CW universe. They, and he felt they, kind of I think shoehorned. they just started a show with him. Okay, okay, yeah. It felt very shoehorned into the universe, whereas, I mean, Flash and Arrow being in the same universe does feel slightly shoehorned, but not nearly as much. Like, because, you know, the whole idea that the Arrow can even keep up with Flash in any way is just kind of ridiculous, but... It is but, ridiculous, but... It, <laughs> but it works somehow. It, it works because the Flash is so naive, and, right. uh, you know, Oliver has all of this battle experience, and so there is something to say about sort of tact and you know that you're missing with someone who's new to the game like sure. the flash so sure yeah yeah yeah. so yeah i think we've established that we didn't like season four and no. season three was a little mixed i i feel like both seasons three and four would have benefited from being much shorter seasons <laughs> whereas we you yes. know they had a full 20 20 episode season order and like if they've been 10 episodes like these netflix series we're seeing i feel like they could have focused on the plot more but one yes. thing I do want to talk about is the uh, the big death. This is a big spoiler for anybody listening who is not caught up. Uh, spoilers for latter part of season four. We have to talk about the big death of Laurel, I think. Um, and, and I know there are many mixed feelings about this, but I feel like um, I like it overall because it gives the show gravity and stakes. Like I think it's the one thing they did right last season. Um, and I yes. think that she's really dead, dead. I don't think we'll see her come back the way we saw uh, her sister come back. No, I don't think so either. But I do have a theory about who I think is dead and will come back. Oh, okay. Um, which we can talk about later if you want. But <laughs> okay. the uh, I, I never liked Laurel Lance, and Uh-oh. maybe I'm heartless. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I just, first of all, I didn't think her acting was up to par. Mm. Um, it, in reference to the whole cast, I mean, I think... If you looked at the acting capabilities surrounding her, she really paled in comparison. Mm. I don't think her becoming Black Canary made that much sense. Um, there there were a lot of pitfalls with her for me. Uh, but I think having her be the one who died at the end of season four really kind of grounded the whole thing. Because we see kind of this impossibility happening in season two and three of anyone dying. I mean, even um, like you said, her sister comes back to life and that's, that's a whole huge plot. And so uh, this kind of got back to the same thing that we had in season one with his mother dying and his father dying and there being real stakes to the whole thing. Like you said, Um, I felt like it felt more at the end of season four because of that. It felt more like arrow again. For me. Yeah, yeah. I and and I the reason I, I like the uh you know that, that that they did allow a major character to die and that it feels like she really is gone this time, like there doesn't seem like a way to bring her back. We're we're with, with Sarah Lance, um her sister, um who I was it the second season when she died and then they brought her back, or maybe it was the third. I know it was the third remember. because it was all it all had to do with Raz al Ghul. Yes. So yes. I feel like they killed Sarah Lance and then they're like Oh no, we have this other show we wanted to do with her. What are we going to yes. do? Oh, let's bring her back. <laughs> Which I like, like Legends of Tomorrow just fine, but but I would not have brought her back for that. But anyway, that's what they did. And so it feels like we had to establish that people actually can die in this universe. And I agree with you that Laurel um, initially was an annoying character. And even I would agree that even throughout that her acting didn't quite hold up to the acting of other actors. For instance, uh, I think that uh, the actor who plays John Diggle 
bagel is just amazing. Yes, um, yes. And, uh, well, I don't know. I would probably put her acting and uh, the guy who plays Quentin Lance, uh, Paul Blackthorne, on the same level. I feel like his doesn't quite live up either. He, <laughs> but, he reads very soap opera to me, and so does yes, she. And maybe that's I, what it yes. is. It seems like over overacting in places where there doesn't need to be overacting. It just needs mm-hmm. to be thoughtful acting. Right, right. Yeah, so when you put those two, and especially Laurel spent the most time with uh, Oliver, uh, Stephen Amell, and uh, and uh, Emily Bett Ricards, uh, who plays Felicity, uh, I think that you're right, her acting doesn't really hold up well. But that said, like, you did grow to love the character. Like, by the time Laurel uh, was killed, uh, I, I will I will admit that I, I cried man tears. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, I suppose that's not manly to admit, but whatever. That's <laughs> so, fine. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah. I think, uh, okay, when she died, I was not as tearful. And maybe maybe a little bit for the sake of Oliver. But it, I wasn't so sad that she was dying. Um, I was sad because he was sad. Yes. And yeah, maybe, I like I said, I'm probably heartless when it comes to her character. <laughs> I just, I felt like it was the best idea to have her die. Uh <laughs> Of all of the people. <laughs> good and, and good riddance. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think he, he always had her up on such a such a pedestal this That's whole true. time that to make her this iconic sort of you know, presence, there's that statue erected in the in the fifth season now mm-hmm. of her. Uh it it sort of gives him this external thing. To, to draw from again. Like he had his father in the first season kind of driving him, and now he has Laurel doing the same thing. Yes, yes. And, and it's obvious, they've already made it obvious at the beginning of season five here that that the whole, thr- the whole driving force behind him this season is going to be, I want to honor the memory of Laurel Lance. Like exactly. that's obviously what's happening now. And, and I feel like that's done a good, they're, they're doing a good job with the direction that that's going. So we spent most of this segment talking about mo- previously, you know, the incarnation of Arrow and, and how, where we're, where we've gotten to. But I do want to spend a few minutes talking about the beginning of season five. We've, we've alluded to it. We've danced around it, but we should talk about it a little. One of the things that I complain about with most shows on TV these days are that they become stale. They're, they're afraid to change the status quo and for better or worse, Arrow's dynamic has completely changed this season, or at least it is at the beginning. We'll see if they try to bring back the old dynamic, but I hope they don't in a lot of ways. Um, and then the dynamic is completely different. They, they have completely changed the status quo. This is, this feels almost like a pilot, like the first episode for season five felt almost like the pilot of a new show based on some of the same characters. Yes. It did. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I, I had I feel like there was some some stumbling around a little bit where they're trying to bring in these new recruits and they felt except for like the, the two besides Curtis Holt felt kind of faceless, like I didn't know who they were or what was going on. Um, right. So we'll see about that. And they're still I, I was frustrated. They're still keeping with the motif of going back in time and looking at what happened, oh. trying to draw parallels like uh, it worked well in the first season. It worked OK in the second season. It fell flat on its face in the third season. And it was an abomination in the fourth season. And exactly. I really just wanted it to go away. See, but they're they're introducing this new side plot with Diggle mm-hmm. that you have him sort of doing. Uh, I, I don't know. It's all sort of blue cast. Everything's kind of black and blue in his sort of universe. You know how you have mm-hmm. the different sort of look to the back backstory of Oliver? Yes, um, yes. It reads the same way to me, and I wish that they would have just focused more on that and done that better rather than trying to go back in time and do stuff 
with Oliver in Russia. It just what it doesn't connect yeah. for me yet. I, I actually kind of like the stuff in Russia. It's better than what we saw, anything that we saw in flashbacks in season four. But oh, I, yes. I just wish they would have dropped it. Um, I do agree that the stuff with Diggle has the potential to be interesting. This is obviously some, I mean, I think I think we've established that whatever the Arrowverse is, it's similar to our own, but it's not in our own because like they're, like they're in some nebulous war thing going on over somewhere. Like, I don't know. None of it really makes any sense if you put it in our world, but it works in the Arrow universe, I suppose. And, and, it, and it certainly has the potential, like there's, Definitely something weird going on there in with in Diggle's world. Yes, and I, but that to me feels like it could take the place of the flashbacks if they wanted to do that. I think they could have. I wish they would have. Yes, yeah. But they're trying to do them both, so that that's a little frustrating. Um, it, it I, I do think it's everything for me so much because instead of just the one main plot and the flashback, now we have three things going on. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll see where that goes. I, I have a lot of hope that season five is going to be better. Um, it already feels much better. For instance, like um, like we've already mentioned, we have the old Felicity back, but we also have a villain who feels more grounded. He doesn't have these ill-defined mystical powers. Or, I mean, he feels like a very grounded villain. He's just coming in and, and beating dudes up, like, and, and he's going to get it, Oliver, in some form or fashion. You know, that, that makes a lot more sense for the Arrow universe to me. Yes, and there's so much... Oliver has made so many enemies in his backstory, and we've <laughs> yes. seen that from the beginning. I mean, it, it was so... I was blindsided by... um, What's his name? The villain in season two. Um, mm. his The guy from the island. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't think uh, of his name right off the top of my head. Deathstroke. But, uh, Deathstroke. There you go. Yep. Anyway, yep. I was blindsided Slade, Slade by, by who he was, you know? Yeah. Um, and and they filled in the gaps to sort of explain why that was the case. But uh, in this season, it feels the same. It feels like it's going to be someone from his past who's coming back as a revenge sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So so that that could that could um, validate going, you know, looking at his past again. And and if that's the case, I will I will be a little more forgiving of the whole past stuff than I have been in in seasons three and four. I think um, this is their way of bringing back Tommy Merlin. Uh, perhaps yes uh perhaps we'll we'll see i i kind of don't want to see him again but i, I'm, I don't want to see him, him at all but i think that that's what they're doing mm, okay well, well how do you how i mean how, how do you see him coming in well i see him oh, i think he's the guy with uh I, I don't know he's the bad guy at the end of episode two who threatens the mob boss guy and says he wants to kill the arrow mm. Mm, maybe maybe um i didn't I, I remember think, recognizing the voice but it might be i think it's changed uh, i think the way he died could could lead to that but it, my point is i think they're going to bring someone it may not be him but someone from the first season back as a villain i think they're going to try to connect everything because this ultimately will be the five seasons for five years of him being gone sure um there could be some sort of wrap up if that character is someone from his past. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I hadn't thought of that. That's that's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll 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 have to find out where that goes. Um, I've, It'll I've be been interesting. planning on having a uh, kind of a reunion episode or a, a revisiting episode, uh, a couple of episodes of the show when the TV season is over to kind of wrap up and, and see how, you know, how the seasons went. So we'll 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 revisit that. That'll be interesting. Yeah. One more thing. Um, Arrow has returned to killing. How do we feel about this? I, I'm not surprised. I guess I'm sort of ambivalent. Yeah. I, I don't think 
he was ever less intimidating because he didn't kill. I think he was stupid not to kill. I agree. Uh, because he could have killed Damien Dark earlier, and he didn't. This is where I feel like um, so many shows, and particularly Arrow, they don't understand what morality is and how it, what it's based in. And uh, so they have this nebulous definition of morality, and then so they decide, well, all killing for any reason of any kind is wrong. And that's not how that works. And right. so that kind of bleeds into the show and makes things muddy. Yes, Exactly. So it'll be interesting. I I hope that he doesn't, because he definitely was killing without discretion in the first season, and he kind of backed off of that and then didn't kill anybody for a while. And I hope that this is more of a, you know, there are times when, you know, somebody's life is threatened and I have to make a a, a choice. And and you can get into quibbles, particularly from a Christian worldview, which both of us would come from, but you you could get into quibbles about – uh, vigilantes and stuff, but just in, in the general sense, like if you're defending someone uh, or yourself and you have to make a choice, sometimes uh, somebody's death is the only option. Like that, that would be my opinion. Yes, I agree. So, all right, very good. I think that uh, that's going to wrap us up for this segment of uh, retake episode seven. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to a fellow Arrow nerd who has issues with Arrow uh, as well as I do. But most of the people that I know who used to watch Arrow have stopped. So it's it's fun. It was fun to find somebody who's still watching. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I sort of have a love-hate relationship. But now I think it's, yeah, it's going to yeah, be yeah. better. I've been looking up <laughs> in season five. I think it's going to be good. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I hope they don't let be me down. better this time. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I think so. So uh, yeah. Let's let's uh, plan on revisiting this at the end of the season and see how things went. Thank you so much for uh, doing this, Lisa. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, just real quick, where can people uh, if they want to continue uh, con- uh, conversating with us? Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am on Twitter at la la Lisa Cooper. Um, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. That's yeah. how I know yeah, you, of course. Yes. Yes. Um, of course. I'm on Twitter an embarrassing amount of times, so. <laughs> Me that's, too. That's the best. All right, perfect. So if people want to catch up and, and continue the conversation about this show, that is the place to do it. All right, uh, thank you so much, Lisa. Yeah, thank you. This segment is about speed and streaking in yellow lightning sparking everywhere. It's our very own Barry Allen, Tim Smith. How are you, Tim? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I am excited to talk about this show with you, Tim. This may be, I'm trying to think, it's hard for me to like play favorites sometimes, but this may be my favorite show on television. Oh, I thought you were going to say... You are my favorite co-host of the Well, show. there's that too, of course, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I, I took that for granted, Tim. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take you for granted. <laughs> uh, How you been kidding. doing? You, you, you've been, uh, you haven't been on the show in a couple of episodes. How, how are things going, man? Uh, very good. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rotating co-host on this show. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I, have been, uh, I have been busy with, uh, with work and other, you know, other interesting things. 
Um, I, uh, I, I've been developing a website for a friend uh, that has Very been nice. taking a lot of my evenings and I'm finally done with that. So here I am back here you are. on the show. Yeah. I, I, I know how that goes sometimes. I've, I've done like for my church, I've done the same thing with the website there. So that's, <laughs> I, can, I can understand the excitement and the frustration of, of it tying your evenings up. So yes. let's dive in. We, okay. we have a lot of speed behind us now. We're gaining momentum. The lightning is flashing. Let's draw, dive in and talk about The Flash. And, yeah. and what I thought we would do, Tim, is just kind of, first of all, talk about our overall feelings about the show, if we have anything specific about seasons one and two, and then talk yeah. about what we know about season three and how we feel like that's going to be. So okay. season one, why don't you kick us off? So uh, season one, I thought was great. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I I think the the Flash writers got a lot of season one really right. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt fresh. It felt uh, lighthearted, and and it you know I was coming from watching Arrow, mm. so it, so the the whole feeling of the show was completely different. And and in fact, I think it was after season one that I was like, eh, I'm kind of done with Arrow for now. I, I'm done with the darkness and uh, you know Oliver Queen's con- constant whining. Um, so, so I, I loved the first season of the flash. I loved the second season of the flash. The third season is actually the first that I'm kind of iffy on, but I, I Uh I assume we'll get there eventually. Uh Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I have to say season one, I really loved, I I think the show started out really, really strong. And and like you, I loved the lighter tone of the show because I I am getting kind of tired of everything being so dark and gritty. Like I think that the one sort of – I don't want to say disservice because I really like the Dark Knight trilogy. But I think the one thing that that has happened because of that is everybody wants to do this dark and gritty stuff. You know, they want it to be dark and gritty and brooding and, you know, I'm Batman and I'm angry and, uh, you know. And and, um, and everybody wants to do that. And The Flash – it was like a big departure from that in a really great way, and I only made it a couple of episodes in before I'm like, I have to bring my older kids in to watch this with me because I, they're, they're yeah. going to love this. And my son, at least for a time, my oldest son, he would have been uh, seven at the time, and it was his favorite TV show for a while. I don't think it is anymore. I think he's more of a Doctor Who fan now, but but it was his favorite TV show for a while. So I, I you, love you are You are training your children well. I, I am. I, I, I believe in uh, <laughs> infusing the nerd into the children. Yes. <laughs> Which I don't – my oldest son honestly doesn't need help with that. He's, he's a pretty good nerd all in his own right. But in any event, uh, so the lighter tone is really a positive for me. Yeah. Um, I feel like, believe it or not, that this, this, uh, this show really benefited from coming into an established universe that we now call like the Arrowverse. Right. Um, and in a strange way because like you say, Arrow – um, it's kind of dark, and it's like, well, well, well is that going to hurt the Flash? But surprisingly, what what it helped the Flash do is they didn't have to spend a lot of time world building and saying this is the universe we're in, which tends to bog a lot of shows down. The Flash yeah. didn't really have that. There, it's kind of an established universe, and um, you know, I wish there were more shows that would take that cue, or they didn't spend a lot of time going, okay, well, this is this, and this is that. We got to have five episodes explaining how <laughs> you know we got to this point. We have to keep flashing back to see Oliver Queen's backstory. I'm looking at you, Arrow. You know, yeah. Um, so, so this show didn't really have any of that, and it's such a. It's I just I loved season one so much. There's um you know there 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 was a, a feel of a monster of the weakness to it sometimes but mostly the show is about friends and relationships yeah and that's 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 something that I really love about this show 
Did you did you at all feel like season one felt so long? Like they they were not in not in a bad way, but they were able to tell so much story in yeah. one season of twenty two episodes, mm-hmm. and yeah. it felt it almost felt like the first season felt like two seasons to me. Yeah, I kind of get what you're saying because it does feel like they were able to pack a lot of story into yes. season one, and yeah. not and like you say, it's not in a bad way. It never felt rushed or crowded but it felt like there was a lot of material there and you could feel like the excitement of the writers and like oh we get to do this cool thing and we get to tell this cool story and look how these relationships are unfolding and it was it was a brilliant season and and it and i did not feel the same way with season two no season two no there were like they were there were series of episodes that to me felt like filler absolutely and that's uh yeah we can we can certainly talk about season two now um although i did want to say harrison wells season one oh fantastic. amazing man, yes just man I what love, an amazing love yeah. tom cavanaugh he yeah. is he is just so great and i i just hope they continue to use him yes and 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 that's kind of leading into season two like his transformation and because he is a different character from a different Earth, yeah. He's from Earth Two, and so he's entirely different, different personality. And Tom Cavanaugh sells that so well, like he's the same but different. And yeah. it's and he's just somehow he pulled off this thing where you like him, you come to love him just as much. I, love is the wrong word for the first version of Harrison Wells because obviously he was a villain, but yeah. But you and, and he actually made us care about the season two Harrison Wells in a way that you weren't expecting. And at first it was like. Who is this guy? And he's kind of a uh, grating and he was able to turn that around so well. I mean, Tom Cavanaugh, you're right. He's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that is pretty impressive because at the, you know, the end of season one, I, I hated him. Sure. Of course, you're supposed to. Yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, knowing that the, the way that he was played, like the actor playing Harrison Wells uh, in the first season, the way he played him was just so spot on. Yeah. You know, it just worked so well. All right, so yeah, so Harrison Wells, great. Um, also, Joe, man, Joe West. I love Joe West. He is fantastic. I am iffy Uh-oh. on Joe West. Sometimes. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Why? You explain. I, I, you know what I think it is is I think I remember uh, Jesse L. Martin from Law and Order, mm. and I can't seem to get that out of my head you know, uh, in a lot of times, but, but I think as, as a character, a lot of the times he's, he's really great. I, I know that he plays a, a big part in the story. And, and in fact, um, a big part in Barry's own character development, you know, uh, because yes. Joe is very much of a father figure. He is his father in a lot of ways. Yeah. He adopted um, him basically. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and, and plays a, a huge role in, in Barry uh, transforming from a kid to really, you know, uh, uh, a man, probably, I think, um, in in season three. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's going to play a big part as well. And and obviously, his he's had a big impact. And I, it's funny you say that you can't separate uh, the actor from the previous role. My, I have the benefit of coming into this having never seen the actor in a role before. Uh, um, I can't okay. remember ever having seen him. And I just, I love Joe West. Like, I think that he's, like you can always tell like he is on Barry's team no matter what he has Barry's best interest in, at heart yeah. and just as his own character his love for Iris like all this stuff i mean it just works so well and i'll tell you another thing too that's at play here at least in my mind is this is the the world that i wish that we were all in where 
uh, you know, black man, black family adopts white boy and nobody says a word about it. Like it's just a thing. And I love it. Like we're all on the same team here. That's true. Um, You know, I had, I had actually not stopped to think about that. Um, I, I don't think about it often, but I have thought about it. So I don't know what that says about me, good or bad, but (laughs) (laughs) I have thought about it and yeah, I love it. Uh, Mark freaking Hamill. He was amazing. He was great. He and was, he's played the role before. That's the thing. Oh, that's right. Yes. And yes. uh, was it the first version? It of was the, the Flash? original iteration of the Flash yeah. TV show. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love him. I I I I think he he is great every single time that he's on the screen. Yes. He, he does yes. such a good job, and and I particularly liked his his last uh, appearance on the show. Um, uh, what episode was that where like Barry, they're in a street, basically. Um, they're in the middle of the street and they're, you know, going head to head. Uh, what episode was that? Do you remember what I'm talking about? I don't, I don't remember. I I kind of remember what you're, the scene you're talking about. I don't remember what episode it was in. Yeah. I liked, I liked his second appearance. I would say more than his first. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't like, oh, we're bringing the trickster back. Here we go. It yeah. was, it was, it was a delight uh, to see him. And you know, I think that they definitely could overuse him. Like, and I, I fully expect them to. I hope that they will see him again. Um, particularly, I, you know, who knows what kind of changes may have happened in the timeline, which we'll get to that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him again. And it, it's the sort of thing where you could certainly overuse a character like that, but they didn't dip into that well very much. And when they did, it was a delight. And so I'm I'm still anxious for more more Mark Hamill as the trickster. That was yeah. that was really good. So, and and just good to see you know Mark Hamill uh, getting back into some stuff again. Like he's done so much voiceover work, but he he doesn't appear on screen nearly as often. And you know uh, since Star Wars. Okay, so um, I just want to say about season one that it may be the best superhero show. Uh, or season of a show of modern time. Would you agree or disagree? I would disagree. Uh oh. Uh oh. You're gonna go with one of the Netflix series from Marvel, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Let me guess. Um, probably season one of uh, uh, what's that? Daredevil. Yes, I, I okay. think I think Daredevil. I will allow it. I think Daredevil and Jessica Jones beat season one of The Flash, though. Yeah, yeah, Jessica Jones is really good. Uh, this podcast is not about that, but I have to say, you know, it was really, really good. Um, yeah. You know, it was a little, uh, at least for my conscience, it was like, uh, where's the remote? We need to skip that. Right. Um, you know, but 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 the story you're in, and the way it was shot and just the production values, you're absolutely, I, I will allow it, but I really like season one of The Flash. Yeah, I agree. Season two, getting back to what we were talking about as we we're kind of leading in, was much more uneven. Um, yeah, I would, I would say that the highs may have even soared a little higher than season one, but the lows went kind of low. It feels, it feels like the middle of the season or kind of beginning middle, like the first several episodes were good. And then we kind of get into the sagging midsection where it feels like everything was just kind of filler and they didn't know where they were going or what they were doing. And the whole Jay <laughs> sagging, Garrett plot line doesn't make any sense. Midsection. That, that paints quite the word picture. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, uh, I, I think I know what you're envisioning. I was thinking of like a bridge that sags in the middle. Oh, you, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking of my actual midsection. That oh, sags. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's not at all the picture I was trying to paint. I'm a terrible wordsmith. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with you though, because, you know, season two had some really great highlights. And for me, that was primarily Zoom. Zoom yes. was 
for me, the perfect villain for this show, really. And and that that's saying something, considering the fact that I think Harrison Wells as, you know, the reverse Flash slash, um, uh, what's the actual character's name? I, I forget. Uh, Eddie Thawne. Um, oh, yes. It, no, Eobard Thawne, sorry. Um, you know, ah, right, right, right. Yeah. That, that, that was, that was really good, but still I think zoom was even better, uh, as a villain. And yet season two felt like I said before that it had a lot of filler in it. It didn't have as smooth of a story I felt as season one. And, and I don't know, I don't know if, I don't know if it's because they, they didn't plan it well or, or I don't know what it was, but there were certain episodes and it happened quite like maybe twice or three times that you would have back-to-back episodes where I just felt like, okay, obviously they're waiting for, they're waiting for, you know, like the winter finale or they're waiting for, you know, the season finale to reveal anything. So they're having to do these filler episodes that have nothing and don't advance the main plot of this season. And to me that, that was disappointing. Yeah, I agree. It, it almost felt like it got sidetracked for a while. Like yeah. all these little things that they didn't know what they were doing, like you say. Yeah. And it, it just didn't feel like it was going anywhere, but anytime zoom was involved, it was great. And, and man, I, uh, I don't know if you've seen him or heard his voice before, but Tony Todd's voice, uh, like we didn't, yes. it was great because he has a great voice and then we didn't know who was under that hood. Yeah. Uh, it, in retrospect, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense that his voice was so deep and you know, whatever compared to, 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 well, I'll just say it spoilers, uh, for season two, uh, Jay Garrick. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, anytime. Well, and, and actually like most of the Jay Garrick stuff was good too. Some of it felt a little muddled, but you know, then. It, it resolving into the Zoom plotline worked pretty well, I, w- I would say. Although, I have to say, overall, Zoom's plan never made a super amount of sense to me. But, you know, yeah. it, it's superhero stuff. It does that sometimes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. We've already mentioned Harrison Wells from Earth 2. Entirely different. That was great. I, 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 did, I did overall enjoy Season 2. Like, I really enjoyed seeing Cisco and Caitlin growing as characters and coming more into their own. Um, I really love that, and I'm excited to see kind of where they go with with that. I hope they don't turn our Caitlyn Snow into Killer Frost, at least the bad Killer Frost. Like maybe there's an alternate way they can do it where she's a hero. But we'll see how that goes. So yeah, that's that's what I worry about. Yeah, and I feel like every show has to do something bad. One of its good, you know, <laughs> one of its good characters somewhere yeah. along the way to raise the stakes, and that's I understand that, and I can appreciate that. But I hope it's not Caitlyn because I I love her dearly. Um, but, you know, and especially uh, and we're kind of leading into season three now, but seeing um, Cisco, you know, kind of taking into his uh, reverb role a little bit in season three yeah. has been fun. And I want to see that grow. I, I want this to eventually be more of a superhero team than just the Flash, you know, yeah. and, and that's what I'm excited to see happening. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. And I think, you know, it last it, was it last season? I think it was. Yeah. When when um, Jesse and. Uh, you know, and Wally got hit with with the dark matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that that's what they're setting it up for, for there there to be more people that have powers on on this team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're they're definitely leading there. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I was a little worried the end of season two and, you know, the very end, like like most of the last episode was really great. And then, you know, you have the very end where Barry goes back in time and changes everything. And I was yeah. really super worried about that because I'm, I'm so tired of the time travel stuff now. Um, <laughs> however, I feel like season three, episode one acquitted that decision really well. Uh, I really love Flashpoint. Um, it was it was great, and there were consequences to what he did. And um, neither we're still dealing with consequences, although things are mostly right now. And I feel like this is actually leading into us treating time travel more seriously and saying it's it's probably never going to be completely gone in the Flash. And I'm not as familiar with the comics. I assume you probably are. So probably that's a thing from the comics a lot. But what I'm excited about in the show is okay, finally. The time travel is going to be put in its proper place where we use it sparingly and we understand that we're going to break things when we time travel and it's going yeah. to be broken. And I, I like where we're going with that. So actually, before we get to season three, I just wanted to mention someone else that I really, really have enjoyed in this whole show, By all means. which is John Wesley Shipp. I mean, yes, I would be remiss to, to not mention him because he is he's just been so great. And I, I love, in fact, how they used him. Uh, in the first episode, or yeah, it was the first episode or the second episode of of this season. Uh, that you know, now he is Jay Garrick from another Earth, right? Um, and and that it's so cool. He he still plays this really great role, and I I was so bummed when he spoiler alert got yeah. killed. Yeah, uh, at too. the end of me season too. two, because I thought you know season two really established him as this character that we really love. We've come to appreciate. Um, and especially has has a huge influence on on Barry's life. So I I really like uh, their use of John Wesley Ship, and I I'm glad that hopefully they'll continue to use him uh, as that um, you know three? <laughs> that mature speedster voice. Yeah, for Barry, right? Because uh, Barry is still very much in his primitive years of understanding how to use his powers and. And what's the wisest decision of how to use his powers and and who better to understand him than, you know, Jay Garrick, the original Flash. And it was it was super exciting to see him play Jay Garrick and, uh, you know, put on the suit again yes. and be the Flash. That was fun. Because <laughs> yeah. when I was a kid, I don't remember much about it, but I remember seeing, you know, episodes with with John Wesley Ship as the Flash and whatever, uh, you know, don't don't remember much about it, but I know it was there. <laughs> and I have to agree with you overall. John Wesley Ship has been great, particularly in season two. I was a little put off. Uh, when he got out of prison and if things are cool and Barry's got his dad back, but then he's like, well, son, yeah, for your own gonna good, yeah. I'm going to leave. And like that all felt really lame. And it's yeah. like, okay, they just can't have the actor on every episode. We get it. Find <laughs> another way. Like, you know, whatever. But then yeah. like they've really woven him well into the universe now. And to such a degree that at the end of season two, when, when, when he's killed, like, you, you know, there, there is definitely, that's like a tearjerker, you know, yeah. you, under, you understand the gravity of what's happening and how this affects Barry. Yeah, really well done. I completely it, Isn't yeah. that a shame that when, you know, uh, uh, characters are either killed off or moved somewhere, you're like, oh man, they weren't able to re-sign their contract. What a bummer. I'm not convinced that's the case though, because it looks like he can still <laughs> play a role. And I think they did it for story reasons, which makes it even better in, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't mind when stakes are high and things happen if it's done well and for good story reasons and not because of contractual reasons. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Uh, season three. Yes. Um, I'm I'm excited. I think that you, you have some more concerns, though. Yeah. Season three is so far the season I'm enjoying less huh. of all three. 
And I think um, there were a couple of things. So first of all, I, I think the fact that they spent one episode on Flashpoint is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, they, you know, he, he turned, he turned it back way too soon. Right. And because in, in, in theory, he was there three months or, or, or longer. Right. But you only see a little bit of that. Um, and I, yeah, I feel like such a huge event, uh, was very underused. Um, Obviously, we're going to still see the consequences of that decision throughout the season. But I think, I, I don't think that they sold it enough. I don't think they sold it enough that uh, of the magnitude of that decision. And I think for that to have happened, they needed to do more than just one one hour episode. Um, yeah, it, I, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, the other I, thing that I was worried about in in the first episode was... You've got to be kidding me. You're going to do the will they, won't they with Barry and Iris again? Yeah. You uh, yeah. have got they, to be kidding me. Just, they patch that up. They, but, but yeah, I agree. I know. But I, I know. But it's it's like, you know, it, they've got to stop with that. And I'm, I'm glad they have. Um, yeah. Because it's it's time to let Barry and Iris either be together or like, yeah, just just leave them alone. I want them together. Yes, I, I want. I, I agree with that. I want them together as well. Yeah, and 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 I I feel like that's maybe going to be a problem because this is the CW we're talking about, right? <laughs> uh, the my other my other criticism was the rival was stupid. Um, mm. uh, I, I I suppose. Yeah, I, I didn't like his suit. Um, I thought it was very gimmicky and corny to me. Um, and and I think that that. Overall, this is this is my critique of season three to me, and it, and it, it it may be completely wrong, but this is just my opinion. My opinion is after after seeing shows like Daredevil or Jessica Jones or even Luke Cage, something that that bugs me about the Flash now is the fact that I feel like every episode needs to have this huge action piece where they flaunt Barry's powers in your face. And, and I just, I'm kind of done with that because I know that he can run and I know that he's fast, but, but I, I want to know more about him. I want to know more about the other characters that support him. And I wish that they would dig a, a layer deeper than, Oh, here's some flashy things happening. And, Here's the red and yellow lightning. It's cool, isn't it? And yeah, it's like, I, I, yeah, it is cool, but I need a little more substance here. There's there's not enough meat here. I, I get that. L- let me offer you an alternate perspective, and then we got to wrap up. But let me offer you an alternate perspective on Flashpoint. I, I completely let me say I completely understand your frustration and your wish that they would have spent more time there. But a that would have given us more. Will they? Won't they? With Barry and Iris again, which we don't want. And and B to me it signals that this is the event that 
uh, they needed to take place in order to tell the story they wanted to tell so that we can deal with the repercussions. And obviously there were, were people who were powered in the in the Flashpoint timeline are now, you know, this alchemy is making them powered in this thing or whatever. Like, So the, the, the story they wanted to tell for the season required Flashpoint, but they wanted to get to the story. And to me, that, that right. I think is a good signal. I mean, uh, that, that's my take on it, but I get where you're coming from completely. I, I wouldn't have minded spending more time with the Flashpoint stuff. So that's that's my take. Any, and, any and, rebuttal? And to the second part? Or I, I was going to wait for the second part. Uh, I think that's it. I think oh, I, you didn't have mentioned. a rebuttal for the the flashiness. Uh, no, because I mostly agree with you on that. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> what what universe is this? Is this Flashpoint? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost like we get on the mic and we suddenly agree with each other because oh, dear. <laughs> in Slack we never agree. That's true. We don't. We um. Don't. Uh. Well, I yeah. I mean, I I I understand that. I think my only rebuttal is. The only reason why I say that they should have spent a little more time with Flashpoint is just because I think that that would give the rest of the story that they're trying to tell more weight to it. Mm, yeah, Th- that's cool. that's you know that's why I think. Okay, so real quick predictions for season three: Is it going to be as good as season one or and or two? Uh, what what are your thoughts? Uh, in terms of predictions, you know, I think I think it's still going to be a, a good season. Will it beat? Season one or two, I doubt it. Um, in the season, I think we'll see Jesse Quick uh, become part of the team. I think, I think um, so too. Or, yeah. or at least we'll see her more and and see her have powers. I would love for Wally to have powers. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if they will satisfy that craving early on or at all, though. Because I yeah. think that I think it's actually more impactful for him not to have powers as as much of a bummer as that is. Um, and uh, yeah, I I would I would love to see what happens with Iris and Barry as as a couple now that they're finally going to be able to have a chance to be a couple. Um, and and I would love for them to explore like what what is it to have a relationship and yet feel responsible for a whole city. Um, yes. I, I think that there are, there are some really interesting questions to, to answer there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, the only thing I'll add is I just want this season to be about Barry and Iris as much as anything. Like I, I know there's yeah. another story to tell on another, but I want this to be about Barry and Iris and enough beating around the bush enough. Will they, won't they, Let's just let's let them be together. Hear my plea, CW. I know that you don't like relationships, but do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's what I want. And I, I think that they have chemistry. They, they work well together. They do great. And yeah, I, I, I and, and also I will add to that. I don't want them to add some kind of flashy power or somehow infuse uh, Iris with powers. I want her to remain as she is. And I want the relationship to work that way. So yeah. that's that's what I want. And uh, yeah, I think season three will be good. They've set a high bar with season one, didn't quite live up in season two. And I feel that the season three will probably be the same. I'm hoping it'll it'll get over the bar of season two a little bit, but we'll have to see. We'll revisit. Yes, Definitely. All right. So, uh, Tim, if people want to continue this conversation with you and with us, where will they find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, yes. Send send your hate tweets <laughs> to Smith Timmy Tim on Twitter. 
Um, or you can also uh, email me, but who does that anymore? Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. No, Twitter Twitter's a good place, and I'm TJ Draper Pro, and if you have thoughts on The Flash, send them to us. We'll, we'd love to interact with you. Uh, don't Maybe don't do hate tweets. I'll, I'll say that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'd love to have alternate opinions or same opinion. We'd love to have our opinions bolstered. So <laughs> thank you so much for doing this with me, Tim. It was a, uh, a blast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. For this segment, I've assembled a team of two. Director TJ Draper, uh, that's me, but now that I've told you that, I'll have to kill you. And Special Agent Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad? I'm doing great, TJ. How about you? I'm doing well. So we're here to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're entering the fourth season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I thought we would talk about how we feel about the show in general, where it's been, and where it's going. Chad, why don't you tell me how you feel about the show in general? Well, I think you and I have sort of always shared similar opinions on this show. Um, both mm-hmm. of us have pretty much liked it from the beginning, from what I can tell, uh, uh, against the sort of wind of everybody else. Uh, the first season got a lot of hate, especially in the first half until the Captain America Winter Soldier crossover. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've sort of always liked this sort of slow burn of the first season, and it definitely did pick up after that. Um, and so I've enjoyed it since. Second season had its rocky moments third season I thought was a lot better and uh fourth season we'll talk about in just a second but overall I've really enjoyed the show yeah yeah it definitely has received a lot of criticism and I think a lot of people criticize it because oh well it's tied to the movies and they couldn't do what they really needed to do to make it a good show until the middle of the first season and I reject that like completely I think that uh, we the the events that happened mid-season in season one, which is the re- revelation that Hydra is S.H.I.E.L.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D. is Hydra, essentially, uh, you know, where the at least heavily infiltrated into S.H.I.E.L.D. and have taken over S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and all this stuff. These revelations would not have any impact if we hadn't gotten to know S.H.I.E.L.D. and gotten to know the people in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and gotten to know the relationships and then the hurt that then ripples throughout the rest of the show when, when Grant Ward betrays his entire team uh turns out he was always a traitor but to them it's a fresh hurt and and that those things would not be impactful we wouldn't know you know they wouldn't mean anything to us if he was just a bad guy from the start you know as far as we knew he was somebody that we were learning to love and become he was part of the team and we kind of had this idea about who he was and then suddenly he betrays us and and every you know all those all those of us watching the show and his and his teammates more importantly and and this betrayal makes uh, a lot of sense. Uh, well, it doesn't. It, making a lot of sense is the wrong word. It it works well into the story because of what's come before. So I completely agree with you on the slow burn. Um, and it it, it uh, yeah, I I did not have a problem with it at all. I thought it was a great show from the beginning and a great show that took a twist that made it even better. And that twist would not have worked had it not been there. Right. And, you know, that twist was actually so well done in that first season. There were so many fans who sort of rejected the fact that he was a traitor. They they thought, you know, he's just a secret or a, a double agent and he'll be back around in the second season. And unfortunately, those people sort of were vocal about their opinions throughout the next two seasons as he continued to be a major player. Um, not for good. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Well, and I think I, I think it was a, a stroke of brilliance. And if you go back and you watch the first few episodes, like up leading up to that, I think that you can see a lot of people said, well, the, they had no idea. Well, that's that's malarkey. They they certainly had an idea. It's not like they were not driving at this the entire time. And then all of a sudden the movie comes out and they're like, oh, well, we have to do something like they know what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic right. Universe. That's ridiculous. So I think that the show um, for some reason. So I, what happens a lot of times is especially this is the first Marvel show coming out uh, and it, there's so much hype and all of a sudden Joss Whedon is writing and directing the first episode and it's going to be so great. And it's going to be awesome, Chad. Oh, my goodness. Have you given and, and these expectations, <laughs> they mount to such a degree that um, and, and, and they're nebulous. They're undefined expectations. It's just going to be great. And you have these nebulous ideas of what the show is going to be in your head and they don't. That whatever those ideas are, they're not met. And then people to this day, I talk, I talk to people who are like, I don't watch Agents of Shield. That's a stupid show. And I'm like, Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's really frustrating, especially as a fan of the show and knowing how good the show is. Um, just as an example, like like the, just the Fitzsimmons thing and relationship and the the way they have grown over the four the three seasons and now going into four, like. I love those two characters. They're great together. Me too. And I, I've been rooting for them along with everybody else since season one. Yes, yes. And just watching them grow over the years as characters has been amazing. Who doesn't love Phil Coulson, Chad? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, man. And he's better now than ever. Oh, yeah. I loved him in the movies. And now, like, he, he's he's so much better. So much better. It, it's amazing. I, my, my one regret is that because he's... Uh, in the show, he really can't be in the movies anymore. At least certainly they haven't brought him back in. And in fact, Joss Whedon even said, well, as far as the movies are concerned, he's dead, which is a little frustrating uh, because yeah. he's a, such a great character. Well, and especially since they put so much work into bringing him back in the show, you'd think they'd sort of try and find a way to fit him back into the movie somehow. Um, even if they don't bring in the greater Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in, I'd love to see Clark Gregg back in and seeing especially how... Tony Stark would react to that considering his character growth over the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, um, yes. Bringing Coulson back after his effect, the effect his death had in the Avengers uh, could really shake things up a little bit more. So I, I'd be interested to see what they would do and how they would do it, but I want them to do it well if they do. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't think that Clark Gregg will be back in the MCU on the big screen. I, I don't think that'll happen, but it would be nice if it did. And one thing that I'm hopeful, too, because it's been this sort of weird frustration where Joss Whedon is a great story. Con, you know, Conceptually, he comes up with great stories. He writes great stories, and he's done well at directing. Um, but then he says stuff like – and he even conceptualized Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Jed, and he directed the first episode, and he wrote it. And, and, and yet at the same time, he said stuff like, well, in the movies, he's dead. We don't do that. And like It's almost like he thinks they're separate. And that has been a little frustrating, and now with, with him out, maybe there can be more uh, interaction between the show and the movies. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'd like for there to be more interaction, but so far it's just been a one-way street as far as that goes. The The show has yeah. been completely reactionary to the film series, and you have these quote-unquote crossover episodes, but it just means a super minor character from one of the films will make a peer, an appearance in one episode of the show. And, I mean, those those moments when we've gotten Nick Fury to show up have been great, and there were a couple that had Lady Sif from Thor. Yes, um, yes. Which are, th those are all good and fine, but we just haven't had any sort of major crossover to speak of. Now, I think on the slate for a while, I'm not sure if it still is, but there was an Inhumans movie planned. I think it was canceled is what I remember. 
Let me let me look oh, up. See, so and that's look. a that's a shame because that would have been the perfect opportunity to bring these two worlds together. Yeah, let's see. So, um, well, I, I've I've got it pulled up here. It says uh, in April 2016, the film was taken off of Marvel's 20,000 or 2019 release schedule. Yeah, though it is not considered canceled, supposedly. It's just not on the release uh, schedule anymore. Okay, yeah, that, that's a little frustrating, but it, you know, it's fine because I really, I actually, the Inhuman storyline in Agents of Shield stands on its own. It does really well, and in fact, that's one of the things that I love about season two. I know you mentioned it was a little more uneven and and not as good, maybe, but I and it was rocky. I think is the word you used, but I loved the introduction to the Inhumans. I loved Sky's transformation. I loved everything that she was going through. And, you know, I loved uh, not not just on the inhuman level, but also then she had to go through all this stuff with uh, on a personal level with her dad and then with her mom being an inhuman. And uh, it's all been really good. And she's been obviously one of the along with Clark Gregg, like uh, as, as Coulson, one of the driving characters behind this show that has really made it good, you know. I, I just I enjoy every minute of that. Uh, anytime that she's on the screen and dealing with these issues, uh, you know, she's just a complex, fantastic character. Yeah, I think in that second season, especially any of those moments that she shared with her father, Kyle McLaughlin um, and uh, her mother, who we come to find out, I think any of those moments were definitely affecting and well done. And I, overall, I did like the inhuman storyline. There were there were other issues I had with season two. But the Inhumans storyline as a as a whole in the second season was not really one of them. And and you're right. Uh, did you say Kyle McLaughlin? Is that the guy who played uh, Daisy's father? Yeah, that's father? the guy. Mm-hmm. Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he was uh, he was fantastic. Like everything that he brought to the screen. I mean, he, you sort of loved to hate him, but yet you sort of loved him at the same time. You understood where he was coming from and the place he was coming from. Uh, and then, and then of course you bring Jaying in and, you know, all the dynamic going on there and the, the subtle shift of her being really the main villain, uh, in, uh, season two, um, all that stuff was fantastic. I really loved anytime Raina was on the screen, like, I'm sorry that she's gone. I want her back because she's such a fantastic actress and she brought so much to the show. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, she, <laughs> what was the actress that played her? Um, let's see. Uh, I had it a minute ago. Something Nega. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, Ruth Nega. Uh, she's from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Anyway, um, yeah, she was fantastic. I loved Reina and uh, everything that she brought to the screen, her transformation, all that stuff. Um, it's just so good. Yeah, she was definitely one of the more interesting characters, especially once she became an Inhuman as well. And uh, her, her role in bringing Sky and her father together and then her unfortunate demise at the hands, you know, of the, who was it? Was it Jiaying who killed her? I think so. It's a little fuzzy. Uh, I think it was Jiaying. Yeah, yeah. Because she remember she's on, the, I think, it, was she on the bridge or am I thinking of the character? Um, anyway, yeah, I'm pretty sure Jiaying killed her off because she was threatening the plans that she had because she had this foresight into what was going on. Um, and that was, that was not acceptable to Jaying who that's, I think that was really the big reveal, uh, or it might've been a little before that, but that was, that was a big reveal that Jaying really is not playing for our side. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, great stuff with her. 
And uh, then we get season three. Now, I have to be honest, um, constantly, uh, like Ward, at some point, I mean, he was really great. His transformation in season one into a villain was really good. And then we got some really great backstory of him with his mentor, uh, you know, and all that stuff. But then starting in season two and then particularly toward the end of season two, anytime he was around, it felt like they were just throwing him in. Um, I, I wasn't like, why do we keep finding ways to bring Ward back? And then, you know, you get season three and, oh, it's Ward again. But then, (laughs) but then he starts to become good. And then they do something in the middle of season three, which really makes him a great villain again. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad we're done with him now. Like, I don't see any way he could ever come back from that, (laughs) but hopefully, (laughs) but it was, it was actually really well done. It, 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 they turned it around from, oh, we just have to keep him around because he's a cast member to, uh, yeah, he's going to be a big bad villain again, and he's not even Ward anymore. Like, that all worked really well. Yeah, I think that Brett Dalton as Ward has always been top of his game. He's always been great. Even if I've tired of the character a little bit, I think he's been top-notch from the start. Oh, yeah, the actor, And I, sure. I was probably in that initial camp of people who sort of hoped that his betrayal wasn't real. Uh, I mean... Well, we all were. Into, Yeah, getting into season two, though, I mean, it was, like, pretty clear that he wasn't going to be. But it was also in season two where I started sort of started having a little bit of disdain for the character because I was like, why is he still around? Why is he still yep. a focus? I mean, yep. it, I was that's that's more the rocky parts of season two I was referring to earlier was just Ward was unnecessary and I didn't really like that he was still around. Now, when they brought him back for season three, of course, I was a little wary again, but going on, I was I was pretty quickly convinced that it was a different take on the character it technically wasn't even the same character and I really enjoyed his involvement in season three. And I'm like you, I'm glad that he's gone. Yeah. So I, I think what they should have done and, and you know, hindsight is 2020, but they should have just pretty much maybe one episode or two to, to remind us that he is still around, but, but mostly they should have excised him from season two. And then you can still bring him into season three and say, Oh, look, he's back. You know, we got something to show here. You know, this is going to be a big thing. And that would have been, I think better. We wouldn't have been weary of the character and wondering what they were trying to do to keep him. You know, why are they keeping him around? It wouldn't have been a bit, as big of a thing, but you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I'm not a writer, so I don't know what goes through their heads. <laughs> well, I'm not that kind of a writer, right? Well, it, yeah, it would have definitely been really interesting to have him largely absent from season two, and all of a sudden have this big teaser that he's going to be back for season three as the big bad. Yeah, I think that would have been interesting, but we we got what we got, and you know, I'm I'm still enjoying the show. So yeah, yeah it was fine. I, I do want to throw a shout out to uh, four thousand seven hundred twenty two hours. An episode focused almost entirely on Simmons in season three on the alien planet. Oh, yeah. That was an amazing. Ep- that may be the best episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to date. Yeah, I, I wouldn't really disagree because, I mean, it was different in anything the show had done up to that point. It was entirely in this other world and it was entirely like almost solo acted, wasn't it? I mean, pretty much. I yes. And so, I mean, wow, that, we hadn't really gotten a chance for. Uh, Gemma to show her acting chops off and she really got to show them off t- with great flourish in that entire episode and it was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I completely agree. I mean, she's had some other fantastic stuff, but but that was her showcase episode and and it really, like, I think that still resonates throughout the show and the character that she is and how much we connect with her now and then seeing the struggle that, re- that came from her being stranded on that planet uh, and then her struggle to get back into real life and then her struggle to, to you know, to be with Fitz again and Fitz is trying to figure out how to relate to her. And then there's, there's this other guy that turns out he was on the alien planet. And then, and then uh, it, it just, the whole thing, 
it really kind of resonates with us and we get to watch the struggle that these characters go through. I mean, to me, that when I watch a show, what I want more than anything is to get to know the characters. I want character stories. And that's one of the reasons why I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so much is it's given us so much with each of these characters. I mean, just think, I'm trying to remember, was it in season two that we got introduced to Mac? Well, it sure, certainly was sometime in season two. Yeah. Um, and just what a fantastic addition he's been to the cast. Like you, when you think of Agents of Shield, like Mac comes to the forefront of your mind now. He's great, and and that's the sort of thing that I look for in a show is these great characters and the great character stories and the drama. You know, the, I, I said in a previous segment, you know, it, it, there's often a fine line between good character stories and great drama and a soap opera. And, and, you know, most of these shows that I like tend to ride the line really well. I, I, I can't stand soap opera, but I want good characters and drama, you know? Yeah, and like you were talking about Mac, he, he has been a great addition to the show. Uh, very grounded, very uh, practical in his approach. And he he's a big guy, but he's sort of got a soft heart. Yes. And seeing that take on the character... And seeing how he interacts, his relationship with Sky or Davy Daisy, and his relationship with Coulson, and the, the brief moment in season three where he was the director or acting director at least. Right, right. Um, he's had some really great standout moments as well. Yep. Now, uh, <clears throat> so we're we're already pushing for time, and we haven't talked about the beginning of season four yet at all. <laughs> so I want to dive in. For better or worse, season four has really changed up the dynamic of the show, and I I would say probably for the better. It remains to be seen for sure how this will all pan out. But um, I really can't stand it when a show just like for I I love to use the example of Bones, which is a show that uh, my wife got me into because she liked it, and we started watching sh- the show Bones. Which is a procedural, and I'm pretty over procedurals at this point. But back in the day, we started watching it. I w- we'd only seen like one other procedural show. And so Bones was a different kind of procedural, and it was fun. But then throughout the seasons, they never changed the dynamic of the show. It's just the show is what it is, and it is what it is. And producing it started feeling like we were repeating the same t- story plots over episodes again and again. I really hate that. Like, I want the show to move on. Like, things in the real world don't stay the same. Things in your show should continue to change. And so they've really changed the dynamic for season four, and I think that's going to be a really good thing. Yeah, I I was skeptical of season four with all the buildup with Ghost Rider and all that. I, I didn't know how Ghost Rider would fit into this universe that they'd created for the show. I I, I was really skeptical. And, you know, you know um, I finally watched the first four episodes last night. So... Um, <laughs> I did enjoy it, what I've seen so far, for the most part. Um, I do have a couple of concerns. I do have maybe a small couple of dislikes. But on the whole, I do like the the new, almost kind of darker direction that the show has gone in. It's almost in line with the Netflix series. Yes, this is definitely a darker tone for the show. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on record as saying that the entirety of season four will probably be the darkest for the show. I, I doubt if they'll go dark again for season five, and I I don't don't think any other season will be have been as dark as this season will be. And I think that's fine to go there and then to leave it. I hope that's what they do. Is they go into this, they do this dark period of time. Uh, you know, with all this ghost writer stuff and then, of course, these other ghost-like things that are going on and then uh-huh. uh, they move away from it is, uh, in season five is what I'm hoping for. So, But the dynamic has really changed. You know, you've got Daisy is not really on the team now, but she obviously still cares for everybody and she's off doing her own thing. I was really concerned about that because they, and, and I actually, I, as much as I liked season three, I really hated the very ending. Like, why, why, why even 
like if you think about the very ending of the episode of season three where we show that there's a new director and Coulson's not the director and Daisy has flown off and she's she's not part of the team and they're trying to catch her, like that's not even necessary. You can go, you can just cut the episode, the pre, you know, the end of season three right before that happens and go straight into season four and oh well, three months have passed and this is the dynamic now. Like I and it was just so frustrating for that to end that way. I really hated that. However, hangers TJ. Oh, I know, <laughs> uh, but. So, so yes, uh, I, I hated that, but when they, and, and I was dreading it over the summer, I'm like, ah, oh, what are they going to do with season four? But now that we're into it, it's actually working out well. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, the dynamic being changed with Daisy particularly is good. It, it's necessary for her character to grow like this after the trauma that she experienced in season three and her mind being taken over by hive and all this stuff that put her at pit her against the team. Like, I think all this is necessary for her growth as a character. I, I wasn't sure that I would like this mysterious new boss thing, but again, the, the writers and the, the team doing the show have proven themselves adept at this sort of thing, uh, and it gets Coulson out in the field again, so that's a big win. Oh man, Coulson in the field is awesome. I actually wrote, Coulson in the field, yes please. <laughs> yes, more of this please, because we got a lot of that in season one, and it was so great to see him out with the team, and we're getting some of that again in, in this season and we get the added dynamic of we're not sure who this new director is or what side he's on is he a good guy is he a bad guy is he going to be in the middle somewhere uh what's what's going to come into play there we're not sure and then colson is subtly like yes yes boss yes boss but i'm gonna do my own thing uh you know and <laughs> and uh and it's, it's all really good and and you know the boss does have the new director does have some points when it comes to colson having these blind spots you know when it comes to may and he wouldn't tell her tell him where may was being kept because you know colson I'm the director and you're not and you have a blind spot here and he's not wrong, you know? Right, with May and especially with Daisy. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, and and, and it becomes clear, you know, the team has had multiple occasions when they could bring Daisy in and they're like, uh, no, we're just going to help her. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's, you know, that's that, he's not wrong at all. Um, we've been given some great new dimensions into Simmons um, and she's really high up in the director's confidence and she has to pass lie detector tests. And, and again, great showcasing for her acting and her character. This, you know, I'm, I'm so far, I have very few concerns with season four. I, I do have a few, but uh, you know, what, what, are, what, what are you thinking? I'm liking the team back together. I'm liking the familiarity of everything. I'm loving Colson in the field. Um, I'm actually enjoying Ghost Rider as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm still sort of undecided on his character direction, um, just because I I'm, I'm well, really, I'm just curious what his origin is. I, I'm trying to figure out how they're going to bring him into this story as far as the science of the show goes, because you know we've had this biological inhuman mutation, and that has explained all of the people with powers so far, but. I'm curious to see what they do with Ghost Rider as far as his powers. Obviously, I, I mean, I think it's unreasonable to think he had a literal deal with the devil. Exactly, um, so I, yes. I am curious to see how they bring about what caused this, what created him, and the ghosts that we were seeing as well. Yeah. Um, I, I want them to ground that just a little bit more, and then I'll I'll be more on board for it. But, you know, on the whole, Ghost Rider has been a really cool character. He's brought some cool visuals, some cool action scenes, um, in the last episode, I think, or maybe it was episode three, we had the fight scene between him and James, who both have fire powers. Yes, yes. And there were that was great. chains wielding, and it, it was a really cool scene. Uh, so I am enjoying Ghost Rider as a whole. Daisy was actually sort of one of my dislikes. Um, I, I After listening to you talk about her a little bit, I'm beginning to warm up to the idea of her being by herself, and so 
sort of anti teaming up with the rest of shield. Um, but it, it didn't make sense to me at first. Like I, I get that she went through some rough things in season three, but I don't know. It seems to me that it's, it's pretty clear that she's a lot better when she's with the team and she has people there to support her and to watch over her. And likewise for her to do the same for them. Um, having a, an inhuman on the team has been a big boon towards the team. And now that she sort of cut that, severed that tie, of course, now moving into episode five, uh, they're last, we left them in season or episode four that they're, uh, teamed up at the moment. So that's good. But I, I wasn't a huge fan of her being a vigilante on her own. Well, I mean, obviously we want her to get back on the team. And I think ultimately that'll be, she'll have to go through this healing period of what she's experienced. Um, she's going to have to get over the fact that, um, well, I mean, and there obviously is some concerns though, because I say she has to get over the fact that, you know, she's an inhuman and there are other inhumans and not all the inhumans are good and, and all this stuff. But, but there is some legitimate concerns going on with people mistreating the mishumans and mistrusting them. And, and vice versa. I mean, you know, I, I'm not convinced we still won't see some sort of a war between Inhumans and, and humans at some point. Um, uh-huh. But we'll see how that goes. Now, they have made it very clear that uh, Ghost Rider is not an Inhuman. So so his origins, as you say, are are a little question right now. And and he keeps saying, well, I made a deal with the devil. But that's, as you say, that's that's not really how they're going to explain it, surely. But is, the question is, is that does he really think that, that he made a deal with the devil? Or is that something he just says? What are the origins of his powers? Like all this stuff has yet to be explained. And uh, that'll be interesting. But he has been a great character for sure. Yeah, and I think he he works really well as a supporting character. I'm glad this show's not like about him this season. Yes. He's he's on the side. He is prominent. Um but he's not the focus, which I think is good for the show because I think he's he's a little bit too different for him to all of a sudden be the focus. Um the the team should be the focus and I'm glad that it continues to be. Well, I'm pretty sh- I'm I'm fairly confident in saying and I think there have been rumors to this uh, I don't keep up with the rumors as much as a lot of people do, but I think there have been rumors to this effect that uh basically Ghost Rider obviously will be well integrated into Agents of Shield, but the the most the biggest point that they're doing with him is they're setting up a spin-off for him to go to have his own show. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And right now I'm on board for that. Yes, um, me too. It, it should be said that Ghost Rider's origin traditionally is that he made a deal with the devil. That's the actual character history, but I'm glad that that or I'm at least I'm hoping that's not literally what happened this time around just because it it doesn't fit in with this universe. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, The only other thing that I want to mention, like my my biggest thing right now is like, why do Daisy's powers suddenly cause her bones to shatter? That has never, ever been a thing before. (laughs) Well, she did have the the sort of gauntlets that were supposed to help contain the vibrations in her body so that they I weren't guess. causing her damage. Maybe. But, and, and, and there was one point at the season, I think it was just in episode one where, um, who was it that warned her? I, I think it was Yo-Yo who warned her that if she uses her powers too excessively, they could start, start to have a negative effect on her body. Hmm. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm just misremembering. So, uh, all right. Well, we're over time, and I think that's going to wrap us up for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We will revisit Season 4 at the end of the season and discuss how we liked it and how our predictions went and and all that kind of good stuff. In the meantime, if you want to keep up the conversation, Chad, where can people do that on the big worldwide internets? You can find me personally on Twitter at Chadadada. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. And then I have my own podcast called The Cinescope Podcast, where we no, talk about the movies out. we love and why we love them. So you Look can find that. that on iTunes. 
and on Twitter at CinescopePod. Look at that. Chad's all grown up, got his own all podcast and everything. <laughs> yes, and it's, a, it's been a lot of fun. And you've been on that a couple episodes. So. I have, yes. And it's a great podcast and you should check it out, particularly the ones I'm on. <clears throat> uh, so <laughs> with that, we're going to sign off for now and we will revisit Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next year sometime when the season has ended. Thanks so much for doing this with me, Chad. It was a blast. Thank you, TJ. I'm looking forward to watching the show and then talking about it more. Well, that's going to wrap up Episode 7 of Retake. I've had a lot of fun talking about these TV shows. I really can't wait to um, to revisit them at the end of the season, uh, this TV season, and talk about how things shaped up over the fall and the winter. And uh, all of us really hope that you'll continue the conversation with us about these shows. Uh, we're all on Twitter, and we love talking about this stuff. I really hope you'll engage us on Twitter. It's uh, It's encouraging. Uh, when you do that. And uh, so let me let me tell you where to find us. You'll find me on Twitter. I am TJ Draper Pro there. You can find Lisa Cooper on Twitter. She is at La La Lisa Cooper. Uh, Tim Smith is also on Twitter, Smith Timmy Tim. And Chad is on Twitter at Chadadada. Of course, all this information is in the show notes. I hope you'll check those out. Uh, in those show notes, you'll also find various links to information about the shows, where to watch online, and much, much more. So be sure to check those out. You will find those show notes in your podcatcher, believe it or not. As you listen, you can just scroll right through them and click on links and these various things. Uh, I, I love to use Overcast myself, but most podcatchers will pull those show notes right in. Or you can find those show notes online on the website at nightowl.fm slash retake slash seven. And that is a great link also to share with friends if you want them to listen to the show as well. And they can also see the show notes right there. So I hope you'll do that as well. I want to thank you very much for listening and for your support. Uh, We haven't picked the next topic yet for the next episode of Retake, but we will soon, and we'll be back enjoying the cinematic arts together then. So thank you for listening, and I hope you have fun watching these shows, as much fun as we have had making these shows about these shows. So we'll see you next time. (laughs) 